Star City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Horns and Heartbreak Podcast. My name is Mark Renacki and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What do you do, Liquor Mark? I'm doing pretty well, man. Tim, uh, Sham Sharania reported that the Hornets are considering a reunion with a former franchise cornerstone. No, it's not Big Al Jefferson. That's Kemba Walker, Tim. That is Kemba Walker. The Hornets are considering re-sign- or signing him this offseason. What are your thoughts on Kemba as a backup point guard? Do you think we should do it? Um, the Hornets are also r- rumored to be interested in re-signing IT. What do you think, Tim? <laughs> um, I think as a character guy, I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be worth it for the two games. Yeah, you know, let's say let's say four games where Kemba gets hot at the end of the third and kind of like kills it for half of the fourth. I think that alone would be worth it. Um, but yeah, I do think it's kind of funny that when Mitch Kupchak got the job, he was just like, all right, I got to reshape this franchise. Steve Clifford, Kemba Walker, they're just not cutting it anymore. <laughs> you know, Jeremy Lamb has to be sitting around like, I mean, dude, you guys have the mid-level exception. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah, so to clarify, he got rid of Clifford and Kemba as like his first moves. <laughs> now they're coming back, maybe round two. Uh, Jeremy Lamb. Who else? Marvin Williams. Is he still around? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. His name is PJ Washington now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think it would be cool too. I think I think it would be fun. And I don't really see 
any reason not to do it. But I also think that if you get Kemba, you also get like a third point guard, like just in case. <laughs> like, I, yeah, because Kem- yeah, go. Kemba's knees are shot. Yeah. I mean, like they're definitely. They're definitely gone. It's it's definitely more of a, a locker room signing. It's like when the Warriors brought back Andrew Bogut, even though we're not necessarily contending for a title. But it's like when they brought him back, and it was like, ah, oh, we just need someone to settle things down. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's you have to view it like Kemba's better than IT, but it's like in a similar ish vein, right? Like it's it's he's not significantly higher up than IT. Um, and I, I mean, you talk to any Knicks fan, they'll tell you the same thing. Um, he was not very good with the Knicks. And I mean, I think, like you said, it would be fun. I think it's something to look forward to, you know, that, like you said, those four games where he gets hot and it's just like the old days. And I mean, I think with a player of his talent, there's like, you always have that glimmer of hope, like that some percentage chance, right. That he gets back to like what he was like in even his first year in Boston, right? Or like one of his year one of his years in Charlotte. I think it's very unlikely, but you it's reasonable to like think that's a possibility. You know? So I'm here for it. I think we should do it. Yeah. You're more of a map guy. Uh so saying it's statistically impossible is obviously not true, but it's pretty close to impossible. I think that even like first year in Boston comes back. I think that I mean every every like five games if I was a Hornets fan, I would look at it as a positive where uh, LaMelo will definitely be getting more minutes as Kemba is icing his knees like Patrick Ewing was in, like, Orlando. Yeah. I mean, either way this year, LaMelo's about to play super, super heavy minutes, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's about to play way more minutes than last season, I think. I think the offense is going to be very much centered around him this season. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but, like, I'm thinking we go full heliocentric this year. And it's just the, I think it's just the Lamella show with a new coach, new system, uh, no more Miles Bridges, presumably. I could, I could see it, you know, like, like Luca Harden esque offense, just like completely well, centered around Lamella pick and roll. Man, you're talking about, you know, heliocentric offenses. I'm really hyped that we just spent the extra $350,000 a year and got a uh, Mike D'Antoni. That's going to be great, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that is that is fitting exactly with the uh, picture of what I'm saying. Although you've talked about it before, Steve Clifford with Kemba ran like just spam pick and roll with Kemba, right? So you can see him doing the same thing with Lanello. I guess the fear of re-signing Kemba would be that like Kemba actually plays like upwards of 20 minutes per game, right? Under under Steve Clifford, who's previously been the coach of Kemba when Kemba was in his prime. Um, so that would be kind of the fear, is that it does eat into the mellow minutes. I think that's that's an, kind of an irrational fear of mine, probably. I don't think that's actually going to happen. But um, if, if we sign Kemba, it's firmly as a backup, as like a spot minutes, 12 minutes per game, IT role, backup point guard, more so than... Yeah, like, it's like we, yeah. we can't run the offense through Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre... It's a kind of like a very poor man's version of like if Steve Clifford is the poor man's version of uh, Tom Thibodeau, then uh, Kemba Walker is the poor man's version of Derrick Rose, and they just follow each other around and try to regain the magic. I kind of like it. I'm talking myself into it more and more. <laughs> I mean, dude, it would be fun. I, I would, I would, you know, I would maybe have a tear rolling down my eye if we signed Kemba. 
I mean, uh, there, it's not like there's like, it's not like there's the perfect, like Fred Van Vliet. It's not just waiting out there to be a backup point guard. It's like, yeah, there's pretty much no one else. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. every, every other backup point guard is pretty much taken up. And yeah, we're not, we don't have to worry about, well, man, what's Kemba going to do in the second round of the playoffs against the Sixers? Like, nope, we're just looking for him to get hot against Indiana game 36. That's a great take. All right, let's talk about uh, another rumor, Tim. Donovan Mitchell, also reported by Shams. He's all over the Hornets news this week. We're, we're going global. Um, Donovan Mitchell, apparently teams expressed interest include the Wizards, Raptors, Kings, Heat, Hawks, and your Charlotte Hornets. Okay? <laughs> We've talked about it before on the podcast. It would not be the wisest move to accelerate the Hornets' timeline, trade everything we have for Donovan Mitchell. What are your thoughts now, Tim, that it's actually being like reported and like rumored to have to that the Hornets actually have interest? Like before, it was just like, what if the Hornets traded for Donovan Mitchell? Now it's like, well, we're one of these six teams that apparently have actually shown interest. I'm a, for the first time ever, I'm thankful for bad drafting where I'm like, well, luckily book night is not worth anything. <laughs> like, so of those six teams, we're probably in last place as far as like those that can offer deals. And we traded a first round pick for Guy Jones that goes out into the future. Um, so luckily we don't, I, I, I would hope we don't have the assets for it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Mitchell just, I'm, I'm really down on him. Uh, you know, he's a six, one guard. Like, People even throw out the Dame comps, but it's like, yeah, Dame is like 6'3 and like a way better shooter and like known as the best leader in the NBA, according to a lot of inside guys. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm totally out on Donovan Mitchell. Uh, if he couldn't play defense with Rudy Gobert backing him up, I'm going to go out on a limb and say with Mason Plumley as the back line, he's not going to play defense either. Okay, so I'm going to clarify for the listeners because like what you just said, some people were probably like turned off by. You're out on Donovan Mitchell as like the 20th best player in the league. You're not totally out on Donovan Mitchell. You're to- you're totally out on him as like a best player on a team, right? Like you're out on the idea of Donovan Mitchell being very good. Yeah, it's like you know we we look in Washington and like you know we see Bradley Beal and granted Bradley Beal's like seven years older. He's also better than Donovan Mitchell was uh, during his time, and maybe we can go back to you know, Clifford's. Clifford, the guy who openly was saying like why he didn't like Malik Monk is because he wanted Donovan Mitchell so bad yeah. in that draft. And that caused like a bunch of problems with him and Rich Cho. So, I mean, maybe reunite them as well. You know, the, what could have been, but yeah, I, mean, I just, I don't think it's worth it. I mean, I think he's, you know, a, he's an all-star, but he's not an all NBA guy. Like I'd be surprised like, if Donovan Mitchell made two all NBA teams in his career, I would be shocked. He strikes me as like a four-time all-star who was kind of in the perfect situation. It's weird that no one removes it. Like, you know, Rudy Gobert, multiple defensive player of the year. Joe Ingles, the perfect role player. Quinn Snyder, he's the coach's coach. And then Donovan Mitchell just totally gets the slot. It's like, oh, so he's been in the perfect situation for four years and never done anything except for lose in the first round in the bubble where he scored like 50 points twice. That's like his career highlight or like lighting up Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, okay, so it's important to know that he has very good stats in the playoffs, I think, like compared to any other young guard. I mean, like you said, laying up Carmelo Anthony and OKC, but that is literally, like you said, five years from now, or five years ago. So it's been a while since that happened. And, you know, he's not he's not 23. He's 
25 or 26, I believe. Um, so he's had his chance to sort of show what he's made of and hasn't necessarily delivered as much as you would want for a, a, the Jazz have had very good teams. They were the one seed last year. Um, they've been in the playoffs for however many years in a row. I mean, I think it would be exciting. I think that's one thing you could say about it, that a backcourt of Lomelo and Donovan Mitchell would would at least be exciting. I don't think we have the package to, to trade for him, and I don't think that what it would take would be worth trading for him because you'd imagine the package would be greater than the package for Rudy Gobert, and already the price of Rudy Gobert is too much to pay for Donovan Mitchell, I think. So, um, like, like, what do you think it would be realistically, Tim? Considering um, Danny Ainge is their GM also. Uh, Every I'm single first-round pick for the next 30 years, P.J. Washington, <laughs> like, like, I mean, it, it would just be absurd. And we would be completely selling our future. It would be like Mark Williams, Kai Jones, James Booknight, P.J. Washington, and three first-round picks. Like, that would, that's the press. Jordan's just like, well, dude, I mean, that's fine. Like, I got Spectrum Center locked in through 2045. <laughs> like, you know, that's but here, here's my, my off-the-wall pitch. Uh, so, you know, he was one of those guys who famously was just, like, kind of, like, out of this world in the bubble. Like, it seemed like an aberration. And Jamal so Murray. Have you heard, Great guards. And your, your boys. Yeah. Um, here's one thing. Have you heard about what, uh, what Steve Ballmer is doing with the new Clippers arena? Mm-hmm. Depends on what you're talking about. Just like optimizing he's, it and stuff. What are you talking about? He's uh he's he's wiping out like 15 percent of the seats to almost have like an echo wall to have it oh. almost sound like how the uh, Seattle uh, Seahawks do in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about so that. So when I'm thinking, you know, if Steve Ballmer is truly committed to a title, I say that he trades Paul George for Donovan Mitchell, and he just recreates the bubble environment every home game. He just eats it. He just loses all that money, but it's like, man, if you're guaranteed, like, 42 points a game, like, that might be worth it. Yeah. Yeah, this should – all right, we're about, we're about to do Tim's terrible takes at the end of the podcast, but this is <laughs> – this should have been one of yours. This is genius, Tim. This is genius. I don't know, I don't know how you come up with these things, but that's a good take. I like it. And maybe he should trade for J- Jamal Murray too. Uh, those <laughs> just duking it out, like having dropping fifty points per game. Listen, I'll admit it. I I I was way too impacted by that series. I watched every game because I I bet a lot of money in on that series. I watched every single game of the series, and I was like, yeah, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray are like the next two best point guards in the league. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that I, was, I was so that was your, like. That's your Kobe versus T Mac rivalry. Yeah, <laughs> like dude. Two guys. Yeah, I, I was so in on both of them, but yeah, they both just played out of their minds in the bubble, and it was just one series, and they've not not continued the same pace. I mean, that's maybe his peak. I mean, him being OKC as a rookie was also impressive, but yeah, it's been a couple of years of disappointment now. You don't you don't just get to ride on that forever, right? So, um, his his price is probably the lowest it's been after this season. But um, I think it's still too high. Danny Ainge notoriously just making great trades. So if if we trade with Danny Ainge, odds are we're going to lose. So I'm 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 very hesitant to to get too excited about it. You know, if it happened, 
do think about it for a second, Tim. LaBello and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt. You you wouldn't you would be a little enticed by that? No, I mean I definitely I think it would be fun. I also yeah. like I always like when uh you know LaMelo playing point guard at you know six seven and then Mitchell at six one. I always like when the point guard's taller than the shooting guards. Uh, yeah. just like a weird cork that uh I personally enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I, I we would have a blast. I mean, like those games we would completely erase when like man, Donovan Mitchell went eight of thirty two. We're yeah, only we're talking about, about the sixteen to twenty five games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yeah, I just I would put it like, and this is too harsh again. I'm, I just couldn't really think of another comp off the top of my head. Uh, he's closer to a rich man's Terry Rozier than he is like a a Damian Lillard. Yeah, I I think that's almost right. I think that's almost right. But but he's still young, so he's still like you know he and he's hated you know playing with Rudy Gobert for the past few seasons. I'll, I'll give him like a, a couple of years more before I go that harsh on him. I think Tim, but I see I see why you're saying that. What what team of these teams do you think he would fit the most with? So, I mean, I was kind of like thrown off by some of the teams on. The, I mean, almost all the teams on this list I was thrown off by. Like, like why are the why are the Wizards trying to get? Are they trying to trade Bradley Beal for Donovan Mitchell? Like, what are they trying to do? Um, Dude, now they're they're gonna move that superstar Danny Avdia. <laughs> like, like, what is their, what is their, what are they trading for, uh, for and with? I don't understand it. Uh, don't know why the Kings are on this list. Uh, don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why the Hawks are on this list. Yeah, maybe <laughs> they have, the, like, maybe a the Kings lineup. Like, what's going on, man? I don't know. Maybe the Kings still think they have Tyrese Halliburton to make the deal work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> haven't realized. I think the Heat is the most realistic, probably. Or or the Knicks. Yeah, one thing with the Heat, everyone keeps, like, bashing on that Duncan Robinson contract. If we had the money to make it work, like, I would take Duncan Robinson in a heartbeat. If I was not, like, a top, like, five team in either conference, I think Duncan Robinson is awesome. Like, I don't think it's, like, a Davis, Davis Bertans thing. Like, I think he's, like, one of the top five best shooters in the NBA. And, yeah, he's overpaid for sure. But... I'm like a not such stringent team. As long as you have a big man that can do handoffs, which I hope any big man could, I think Duncan Robinson's underrated at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a bad season this past year. Okay. Um, let's move on. So we have three things to be optimistic about and three things to be pessimistic about for the upcoming season. I'll get us started the Lamelo third year lead. And I talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, a lot's going to be on Lamella this next season for obvious reasons. And I expect him to be averaging 24 points per game next year, uh, up, up from like 19 and a half or 20 or whatever it was this past season. And a lot of guards do make that third year leap. I mean, we just saw Ja Morant do it this past year where he won most improved player. Trey Young did it. I mean, the third year just seems to be kind of the year for guards and. We've been talking about this, all, it seems like, since day one, Tim. Like, oh, but that third Lamelo season, well, we're here. You know, here, here it is. And um, <laughs> if he doesn't do it, that's going to suck. But uh, I, I think that I think we're in for, like, a legit most improved player candidacy from Lamelo this next season. Yeah, I think also, yeah, you talk about, like, most improved. Uh, a lot of that is, like, you know, who's hot the first two months of the season? Like, you can be hot for the first two months and then suck for four months. And then if you close out, all right, you can definitely still win the awards. Um, I think narrative-wise, like, if the Hornets are 
five games above 500, the all-star break, that'll be really good for him. But yeah, I mean, third year LaMelo where, uh, you know, we'll have Gordon Hayward nice and healthy Our you know, most, you know, possibly our best player when he is playing, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we'll have him, we'll have Terry Rozier. He won't be hurt coming into the season, which he was last season, but either way, I mean, LaMelo is going to be our, our lead guards, no question where I think there's been a common misconception with LaMelo over his first two seasons. Like he's like some ball hog, like Russell Westbrook type, but that's really not been the case. Super low time of a uh, possession per game. So yeah, this will be a nice time where we see him possibly go heliocentric. And if that works out, I could see him making like third team all NBA. If he has one of those like random, like 26 points, you know, it's like blow up and like, we're like the eighth seed somehow. And he drags us along. Yeah. And he gets like a lot of triple doubles. Like, I mean, like I, I could see it, dude. I mean, He's had, you know, other players taking the ball out of his hands at times. James Borrego's system was not necessarily, like, the most Lamelo-friendly on offense, I would say. That's safe to say. In his rookie season especially, and then, and then last year as well, like, just sometimes we we're not running the offense through him. Um, and I think that Clifford is wise enough to realize that, like, okay, the offense has to go through Lamelo like, every single possession. At least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I think so. And especially from what, what Clifford has shown, like, I mean, if he can, you know, cause it's easy to look at what Clifford did and like, Oh, you know, you only have like the top 13 or like the 13th best offense, but like you look back at those teams and they're terrible. Like we joked about Brian Roberts, all due respect to Brian Roberts the other day, but uh, yeah, I mean with LaMelo, I think LaMelo right now is already cresting into a player who could be better than Kemba was at his peak, mm-hmm. like this season. Uh, so I think that'll be very interesting. And uh I'll, I'll kind of pair this with my number one reason for optimism, just kind of by like order of elimination. Book night has to get minutes, right? I mean, there's just not like there, there's just not enough guards to go around unless we're playing Kelly Oubre at the two or something just by yeah. Order of elimination. I don't see where else he goes. Yeah. I, I had that second on my list. James book night playing time. Yeah. He has to play. He has to play. It'll be fun to see what Bug Knight can do. Um, and, like, we're going to get the answers to our questions. Mitch Kupchak said, you know, that he – part of the reason he didn't like, you know, what James Rego did last season is that he wanted he wanted the rookies to play more. He didn't say it like that. He said, he, you know, he thought the rookies were going to play more, which is kind of hinting it that, you know, he didn't like the, the rotations by Borrego. So James, James Bug Knight's going to play more um, under Steve Clifford. And like you said, like, there just aren't enough minutes to go around. He has to be getting like what, twenty minutes a game, something like that. He's going to get minutes on on night one, which is not what happened last season. You would think so, but then you go back to that, uh, you know, the Clifford rosters with uh, Malik Monk, and you're like, man, Brian Roberts getting twenty four minutes a game. <laughs> like, I'm sure, like going into the season, you're like, ah. And I love, you know, uh, Cup Check. I respect it. Everyone's kind of been caught in a little bit of a lie where you're putting something on someone else. So he said that in an interview, and then like a week later. He was just like, yeah, I mean, Book Night is just really immature, not doing it. It's almost like they hung out for a weekend and Cupcheck was like, damn, should I call Borrego back and apologize? Like, maybe he was up to something. But All right, what do you got we'll, for your we'll uh, other optimistic things here? Oh, man, I have some optimistic things. Uh, for the first time in a long time, I mean, the first time in probably since like Tyson Chandler, we have big men who can catch a pass and dunk without loading up, you know, 
maybe uh, Plumlee would come around. He loved his reverse dunks. But even if Kai Jones is not going to be playing 45 minutes a game, which obviously none of us think, but even 15 minutes a game, just getting a pick and roll like Montrez Harrell. I mean, remember we talked about him as though he was Charles Barkley for like two weeks last season just because he could finish inside. I think that Mark Williams is really good. Uh, and I stand by that. I, uh, I got hype. I watched Mark Williams highlights for like 45 minutes this weekend. I was getting ready. No, I just think that I've been competent big men, young big men for the first time, really since we drafted Cody Zeller, which obviously that didn't work out. I'm very excited for our front court situation. I agree, but I, I also think by the same token, if Mason Plumlee is like taking those minutes and Mark Williams and Kai Jones aren't playing as much as we want them to, that's a thing to be pessimistic about, Tim. So I'm just going to throw that out there that uh, Mark Williams and Kai Jones might not be getting the same kind of playing time that you're thinking they might get. No, but I would say between the two of them by midseason, I mean, Kai is the real wild card. Where I think that I think that Mark Williams pretty early on will be like 15 minutes a game. It just comes down to, is Kai Jones actually good? Because the summer league was really like, you know, not a strong indication. There were times like a quarter where he would look like baby Giannis, as we joke about, and other times where he looked like Bruno Caboclo, where you're like, man, he's going to be out of the league. So I think that'll be a big thing. It'd be interesting to see with first team reps where we've kind of danced around it. We don't have a backup point guard yeah. this season. So, not I yet. mean, if those not, – not yet. You're right. Not yet. Um, but I think it'll be a big difference between is Mark Williams playing with random guy off the street or is he going to get minutes with LaMelo? Because I think LaMelo is just like a supercharged way to get all of our bigs incorporated in the offense. Yeah, I agree. What else you got, Tim? Uh, there's no pressure on us this season. <laughs> I think that everyone, like, you know, we're, yeah, the NBA sent us an email. We already have the 11th pick. So, I mean, we're not worried about anything. Like, so if there's a random time, like in February, we lose four games in a row. It's not the end of the world. Like, you know, we're, we're going to most likely get our first round pick this year. Like, this is just a, a speed bump in the rebuild that kind of threw us off a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if we got another top 10 pick in here, it's like, if we if we win 47 games, man, this is like the best season we've had as the Bobcats. If we win 27 games, man, LaMelo, remember that game against the Pistons in February? That was so cool. Like, we just can't lose. <laughs> Dude, that is a great way of looking at it. Right now, I'm not going to lie, to being a Hornets fan, not the greatest. It's been, it's been a rough, rough offseason. But, uh, but that's a good way of looking at it. I hadn't really thought about it like that. Like, going into our first year of the podcast, we had zero expectations for the Hornets. We were like, that's why we're going the, the podcast Hornets and Heartbreak. Like, we expected to be really bad, and then we were, like, actually pretty good. Uh, made it made it to the 10th seed, disappointing end of the season. Last year, we had more expectations. It was a great year, but somehow not as fun as that first year where LaMelo was just, like, taking it by storm, and Gordon Hayward was balling out, Terry Rozier was balling out. Like, everything was just, like, kind of surprising. This next year, if if the Hornets are good, it's going to be surprising. It's going to be exciting. So that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. We've kind of uh, lost. This is actually one of the three reasons, three negative pessimistic reasons, that we're no longer like the fun, cute, up-and-coming, like, oh, league pass teams. Yeah, so blogs were still a thing. 
you know, we were getting that last year, not as much this year. Um, but I do think if we don't really miss that much of a beat, you know, I think if Kai Jones and, you know, like Williams and, uh, ah, God pains me to say it, Kelly Oubre is going to go for 30 points twice a month. He might only go for six points the rest of the combined month, but those two games will be fun. I still think that we will have a lot of good times, but yeah, we're, we're no longer like the up and coming team. It's like LaMelo is no longer, if he has a behind the backpack and pass in preseason, it's not going on Bleacher Report. No, no, it's not. Yeah. The one that's actually like, I mean, we was talking about, they've gotten so much hate. Um, a couple of other things I got for pessimistic is this is kind of blended into one. The other one was Mason Plumlee stealing minutes from Mark Williams and Kai Jones. But just, like, the lack of playmaking and lack of guard depth, like, it also is a positive in terms of Lomelo and Bognite minutes. But, I mean, it's a negative in general. Like, if the heliocentric and, like, Lomelo third-year leap thing doesn't work, it's going to be a rough watch. Um, you know, the Hornets have Lomelo, have Terry, but he's not exactly a playmaker. He can make the correct pass at times. That's kind. Yeah, yeah. I mean – yeah, we're, we, we don't have enough playmaking on this roster. Kelly Oubre can't pass. Peter Washington can't pass. Um, Gordon Hayward, he's coming into the season healthy and with something to prove. Hopefully he steps it up as a playmaker. Um, but, yeah, lack of playmaking and lack of guard depth is going to hurt this team. We we would need, like, a Kemba Walker and IT to hit for, for us to compensate in that, in that area. Yeah, I kind of want to do a uh, delusional Hornets take of the week just for myself I'm calling it right now both gordon hayward and Lamelo are making the all-star game next year <laughs> i like it i like it uh what else do you have Jim? um for pessimism this actually completely contradicts my my first optimistic point but uh what if steve clifford finds a way to not play james book night it's like like he has to get more minutes, so it's optimism. But it's all it also is pessimistic at the same time because if he gets like if he gets minutes, that's awesome. If he doesn't, it's terrible. I see what you're saying. Yeah, like the pain of it. Where like, and now I'm conflicted because you know I've been converted to the church of uh, Martinology. But it's like if I you know if I'm watching a game and then like I check the box score after the game to make sure like my you know what what I was watching added up, and I'm like, man, Cody Martin played 42 minutes last night. I was like, and the other six minutes went to Isaiah Thomas and Kemba Walker as a <laughs> dual backcourt? Like, How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. Um, yo, can we uh can we skip Tim's terrible takes and just breathe the thing? Because we already ran long. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think it's I think it's good. I just think we should save it because we did go like very minutes. Yeah, yeah, we definitely we expanded more, yeah. So I have I'll have those those saved up for because as we said last week, there's nothing going on. This <laughs> there's, yeah. Like, are we going to get another Donovan Mitchell? <laughs> <laughs> they are willing to accept Kelly Oubre in a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just going to read the Patreon thing. <laughs> um, cool. Unless, did you have anything else to do? Pessimistic? Um, I have a, do you, you don't have any, you don't have any movie talk, do you? No. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a quick, a quick movie shot. We got, we got three minutes, 10 seconds. All right. All right. Do it quick. Do it quick. Go. 
All right, and uh, so movie corner this week. Mark does not have anything. What a coward. I'm going with uh, <laughs> Francis Hall. Actually, a, a nice coming-of-age movie. I'm a sucker for those. Uh, always have been. It's uh, Greta Gerwig, known from her directing work uh, in Lady Bird and Little Women and now the upcoming Barbie movie, which is going to be a banger. Uh, Francis Hall, though, everyone check it out. Good, good black-and-white flick of just a young 25... 25- yeah, it's, you know, it's artsy. It's, okay. you know, it's, a, it's a real film, Jack. They say in Boogie Nights. And uh, I'm going to throw out one music recommendation as well, even though this is not on the list. But uh, everyone should check out Neil Young, Tonight's the Night, the greatest hungover album of all time. All right, Tim, I wasn't going to say anything until you called me a coward, so now I'm going to say my movie recommendation. It's a show. Love Island, UK, all right? Every summer. <laughs> get, to yeah. get, get together with your uh, friends, like preferably like a mixed crowd, some some men, some women, uh, and watch this show. It, it gets it gets interesting, you know. There's there's a lot of lot of drama. Also, just hearing British accents uh, is always a good time. Um, <laughs> shout out to James Plow, right? And uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a good show. It's a good show. I I enjoy it. I have not started watching this season yet, Tim, but it's on my to do list. I realized that the season had started, and I was like, oh yeah. At some point, at some point, I'm binging that uh, with my friends, and it's going to be a good time. It's like before uh, we have to throw this in here, Mark Caitlin just texted us. She heard us through the wall. She heard me recommend uh, Francis Ha, and she said, "Terrible movie. <laughs> Lady Bird sucks too. Don't subject my fans to this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, listen, Tim. I'm probably not going to watch that movie. Everybody just watched Love Island UK. All right, it's good. You can you can like do. You can write an essay while watching it, too. Like, you do not have to pay attention. It's I will say, yeah. Incredible. And Love Island is number one show you can throw on with, like, six people in a room, and you just have a good time. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's fun. It's a good time. It's yeah. it's not not something you have to take too seriously. Shout out to the supporters of the podcast, Xavier Harvin, T.C. Cunningham, Brandon Garcia, Austin Johnson, Dan Joseph, and Isaac Black. You can check us out on a window to get texts about the Hornets. <laughs> yeah thank you for everyone that's taking the time to listen this long into the podcast if you could be so kind as to rate review and subscribe we'd really appreciate that that would go a long way and uh mark as always go hornets i was about to say it if you didn't <laughs> it's been real it's been real tim all right be safe out there peace